0: You, Brett Oscar, are the first person I thought of when I saw this, because you and I, formative memory for me, is exactly. you and I seeing Sunday in the Park with George, with Mandy and Bernadette in its original run, and you at intermission coming out, coming out so excited, because we had different seats in different parts of the theater, coming out going, well, what did we think? <laughs> in a way that was both celebratory, but also, theater student gossipy yeah sure of course good morning good afternoon good evening whatever it is wherever you are i'm austin titchener one-third of the reduced shakespeare company and you're listening to this week's reduced shakespeare company podcast now in its 16th year number 782 remembering stephen sondheim My Old Friend Brad Oscar is a Double Tony Award nominee for his performances in the original Broadway productions of The Producers and Something Rotten, and is in previews right now for the Broadway production of the musical version of Mrs. Doubtfire, which opens this Sunday, December 5th, 2021. Brad met Stephen Sondheim many times and played Beetle Bamford in the 2017 off-Broadway production of Sweeney Todd that was set in an actual pie shop where the audience sat at tables and ate during the performance, and it was a production that Sondheim loved. On his night off from Mrs. Doubtfire, Brad and I chatted last night about Sondheim's legacy and work, starting with his own specific memories of discovering
1: him. Gosh, oh, I have many memories. Well, that's one reason, again, I was so emotional When it all, you know, in so many ways, and then your specifically, exactly, you connecting also got me so emotional because I remember that weekend very well. I mean, you know, and other things that happened that weekend and shows that we saw and that you saw and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but also, yes, seeing that show, that was the first time, right? I'm trying to think back. I saw Merrily in the middle of its two-week run after it had opened because I had auditioned for Merrily. And that was one of the first times I actually met Steve, as you were instructed to call him after, if you had the glory of actually being in his presence for any amount of time that you got to actually talk to him and God forbid called him Mr. Sondheim or whatever. He was so Steve, Steve, you know, yeah. so, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, all those ways, all the, you know, the connective tissue as we talked about, yeah. um, uh, yeah. but what's overwhelmed me is that everybody has connective tissue, whether you knew the man or not. Most people didn't know the man. They just one of their show, one of these shows, one of the, you know, God, I keep reading about people and I'm so old that were when when Into the Woods and Sunday were recorded and passion too, I think, and were shown on PBS. And back in the day when you had to watch the damn thing on television and it was an event and, you know, and now thank God though you can watch it anytime you want. But um people who were turned on to those shows specifically because they were recorded, because as we know, most things don't, you know. You can't watch. You can watch Sweeney in its tour form, which yeah. is not all that bad. Jesus, um, but you know what? Would we give to watch the original company or Follies or a uh, Pacific Overtures is available on YouTube. God, watch Pacific Overtures. It's there from beginning to end, really well recorded. Wow. From L.A., I think. Anyway. Well, I'm struck by on my social
0: media, which is a mixture of, you know, high school friends and showbiz folks and Shakespeare yeah. nerds and, and and Nazis and, and, uh, Nazis and RSC fans. <laughs> and all of them, mm-hmm. all of them, the breadth of people right. mourning right. Sondheim right. is right. astonishing. What's it been like in your little village there of Anatevka in your Broadway community?
1: Yeah, it's been... Um you know again mostly mostly through social media albeit of course at the theater we are at gosh i'll tell you uh, you know, I'm a purist at heart. I've been so blessed to, to do what I love to do and play some of the greatest theaters on Broadway because I'm a big theater fan, too, as far as the, the temple, the building, the what happened within these walls, who was here, and it's, yeah, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. We're at the Stephen Sondheim Theater. Now, until a couple of days ago, the Stephen Sondheim Theater, which graciously he has a theater named after him as well he should, but the Stephen Sondheim Theater, other than the facade, is a brand new space. So there's very little history there the theater is lovely. We're down like three flights below because you walk in and you're on the mezzanine level. It's like you're in London, chap, and you walk in and you got to go down to go to the stalls. Right. So the orchestra the orchestra is uh, two floors down below ground and the most of the dressing rooms are a floor below that. So we are in the land of no cell service, the land of, oh, it was hailing and thundering like no one had ever heard before during the show. We didn't know. So anyway, Uh, The theater, it's albeit lovely anyway, geez Louise, I couldn't be more honored now to be, you know, at the theater that is named for him, and it was very special, so we did make a curtain speech on Saturday evening after the show, Rob McClure made a beautiful, very eloquent speech that of course is available, as everything is now, on any platform that you're probably following, and, you know, it's there to see, and um, Uh, And, you know, gosh, yeah, we were talking about it and people would, you know, certain people who had certain stories or whatever. And I, you know, uh, still sort of can't believe that eventually, and this was only, you know, four years ago, that I really did have the chance to be in his presence in that way that I was working on this, you know, piece of his that, that, that really changed my life in so many ways. Because Sweeney Todd was the first show that I saw an original Sondheim production. That I saw on Broadway, although I did see Pacific Overtures pre-Broadway at the Kennedy Center. But I was, you know, I was twelve, I was eleven or twelve years old. Right. You know, so I remember it visually, and of course I now I, I know it so well, the album and all that. But anyway, Sweeney well, that must- count,
0: but that totally, that totally counts. And I know what you mean about that connection to Sweeney Todd, because my parents came to New York in 79 on a business trip, I think late spring. And then they came home saying they had seen this show and they sent me and my sister, both teenagers, on our own to New York in the summer of 79 to see Sweeney Todd and however other many shows we could see. It's astonishing
1: to me. Bless them. Bless them. Exactly. There was nothing like it. I mean, it was really, you know, in so many ways, um, uh, right. Unlike anything I'd, I'd ever seen, certainly at the time. And, you know, and then getting the album, you know, you remember, I remember waiting for the album desperately as I did for so many cast albums and all that, but yeah. So, yeah. So that was the first thing I, I listened to the other night uh, when I was, I was like, I've got to just hear something. I've got to in some way pay, pay that kind of tribute to immediately go to the vast, vast, what he's left us is so astonishing i don't know what to listen to first
0: it really is and i and as as much as it as cool as it would be for you to have developed a new show with him what was it like to actually work with him on that formative show sweeney todd it was it was site specific right it was in a pie or they created a pie shop Yeah. For the performance yeah. to
1: take yeah. place in, yeah. Well, that created the, the 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 most wonderful and terrifying and unforgettable evenings of my life because it was environmental and it was in a pie shop. People were sitting at mostly at these tables, uh, and we were performing. You know, mostly on one side of this this vast this square space, if you will. But 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 to an extent throughout and around. So we we were having an invited dress, but we decided to have a night where we would have some people in first before our official invited dress because we needed bodies. There were four Brits who had done it before, these, these four wonderful Brits who came over who who really helped us understand what was gonna happen because it was terrifying to the Americans because you know, it's also my least favorite kind of interactive. No, fourth wall is there for a reason. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so we're gonna do this special sort of, let's just get some bodies in. Well, I guess Steve found out about it and could not wait. Of course, the reason it was in New York is because he had seen it in London and loved it, you know, in its original in this pie shop that they recreated then here in New York. So there we are. There's only eight people in this production. So not only am I playing the Beatle, but I'm singing, you know, we're all singing a vast amount of this ensemble material as well. Um and there was Steve sitting at the table and at my table, mind you, for God, that's good, the opening of act two, which has to be one of the more difficult harmonies that Mr. Sondheim has, has put on paper, for those of us who are musically challenged and sort of learn by ear and half read, but let's not kid ourselves. So um, yeah, that was, uh, to ha- so to be in his presence that, for him, he loved this production. He was there the next night at the official invited dress. He was there, I think he might've even been at the first preview, then at opening. Then when the Brits left a couple far too soon, maybe eight weeks later. And we had then, you know, he just kept coming back. And so, uh, what was more, I mean, it was ridiculous. And so, yes, that show that meant that thing to this kid, you know, I still, even talking about it, I'm like, it doesn't, it's, you know, and I don't, you know, things like that are just gifts and all that, you know, I can't, uh, say how much it means to me because the reason I, you know, again, it's like so much of like what I'm doing, you know, that we shared those formative, you know, years of our lives where, you know, you, you, you connect, you share these things. We see that show. Remember when we saw Sunday in the park, I do remember because it was early on. And, you know, if you've read the new book that Lapine just put out, you don't call him James, you call him Lapine. No, I'm kidding. If you, if you read <laughs> his new book uh, about the making of Sunday, which is, fabulous because so much of it is he does these interviews with people right so it's not just him writing about the show which he does plenty he also engages so many people who were part of the process because as we know we all remember things differently yes. he's very candid and he's very brave and god bless there's another you know creative genius in his own way but uh uh, uh he talks about the gestation of act two and the act two that you and i saw early in previews was without the two formative numbers in act two, which Mm -hmm. happened later on, I believe. And I'm pretty sure of this because, and again, our memories are all, you know, and I can find, I know I have a calendar. So you know what? I'm going to find this out, but I'm pretty sure uh, because literally those numbers went in two weeks before they opened. And I think we saw it early enough in previews that it was not two weeks before they opened. Um, I, that's
0: the, I, You'll have to find the date because I, because my memory is we saw it. Are you talking about children and art is being one?
1: No, 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 no. Uh, 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 later on the show, it's called lesson number eight, I think, and move on into move on.
0: Wow! I don't
1: think it's children and art. Okay. No, I think okay. jo- I, 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 I. I thought I, I
0: remember seeing children and art. I thought I thought I remembered
1: that. I yeah. think so because she was in the wheelchair. No, I remember that too. I don't think it was. I don't think it was children and art. Okay. I all think right, it yeah. was later. I think it was the dramatic crux of like putting it all together, yeah. if you will, and making it all make dramatic sense. Because I remember Act Two, not quite, you know, being confused by it and knowing that something special was happening and feeling like I was probably missing out on something, but that I wasn't necessarily getting it. You mm-hmm. know in a way. And then I saw it again that following summer. Um, and, and I get you know, remember it making more sense.
0: I, I, uh, I just remember being <clears throat> astonished by it because it seemed so complex and yet yeah. the simplicity of it, I found incredibly moving both yeah. the end of act one and oh. the end oh. of act two, yeah. the, the, yes. final, the, re- the final, the, the final repeat, be- repeat of white, a blank yeah. page or canvas so many possibilities i weep now as i talk about
1: it yeah right no yeah. and i do remember i do remember being overwhelmed at the end of act 1 with emotion in that way that you stand there and something beautiful has just happened something has yeah. come yeah. together in a way again because you know it was a challenging show for 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 many people yeah. um Because the story hadn't been told that way. It was challenging for them to create. It was brave and bold. And Jesus, God, I can only imagine some of the earlier permutations, you know, getting to what they got to. But yes, I do remember at the end of Act One, and it's sort of, it's a lesson I've also learned over the years, is that you have to let things accumulate. You know, if you judge every moment, you're missing the the big picture. The gestalt. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, I remember watching act one and thinking, oh, oh, and, and getting my my ear and the score because it's a different sound from Steve because God bless the man. Every score has its. It sounds like the show he's doing. It's unbelievable. Right. So, you know, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I love being sort of challenged by that. And I do remember at the end of act one being just overwhelmed emotionally when it all came together and musically and, yeah. you know. And the fact that, you know, that he was ever criticized for uh, being unable to write a melody, a hummable to whatever. I mean, geez (laughs) louise. You're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Hi, I'm movie critic Bob Mundello. And though click and clack, the Car Talk guys bust a gasket when they hear it. I'm on National Public Radio.
0: Where can you RSC, the RSC? We're still the remote Shakespeare company, but variants and equity protocols permitting our first performances back will be in Michigan in January of 2022. You can find all of our upcoming performance dates at our website, ReduceShakespeare.com, and you can send any questions, suggestions, or mild indigestions via email to feedback at ReduceShakespeare.com. Now back to my conversation with Brad Oscar, talking about his memories of working with and loving Stephen Sondheim. My former uh, composer partner, when we were in the BMI Music Theater Workshop, um, said that uh, uh, had the theory that Sondheim killed a generation of composers who who spent wasted all their time trying to sound like him.
1: What do you think oh, about that? Oh, oh, killed. That's so funny. Um, I mean, uh, I don't think it was necessarily all a, a bad thing because I think the things that he taught, hopefully, certainly lyrically, because lyrical is, is it, lyrics are more technical, right? I think yeah. music is more maybe emotional. I, I don't know. That's my sense. Yeah. So lyrically, he taught us. Uh, lyrically, you can't go wrong. Lyrically, yeah. trying to unless you're trying to impersonate Sondheim because you're trying to write a difficult rhyme, you don't know. but if you're writing for character. And there's a difficult rhyme involved, good for you, because that's what he taught. That's all he wanted to do and all he did. So that's good. So, you know, some of the best, we were listening to Six the other day, Six, you know, here's night and day from whatever, right? But Diego, my husband loves it. And I actually had a great time in a show that would not necessarily be my cup of tea or my kind of musical theater, but you know what? Those songs are smart. Those lyrics are smart and they rhyme. They're not lazy. They did their, there's something about the show, the way it's everything about it. Everyone's on the same page. There's something about, you know, but anyway, as far as like that goes, because there's a lot of people writing for musical theater today who are so effing lazy, especially when it comes to lyric, Mm -hmm. you know, who just, and I'm sorry, a lyric needs to rhyme Mm -hmm. if it's going to be a true lyric. It just, that's my, at the end of the day, blah, blah, blah. So if you're learning that, great. If you're trying to then imitate again, the style, the complexity, the pastiche, because you know, everybody has a certain sound, and even even Mr. Sondheim, you know, sounded like himself at times, yeah. you know? yeah, um but geez, yeah, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. you know, you know, yeah, as far as that goes, there's a uh, there's a song you know, that was uh, for into the woods, the film. He wrote a song for Meryl Street that eventually did not make it into the film because the film was too long. But he wrote a new song called She'll Be Back, which she sings somewhere in the beginning-ish of of Act Two. And Rapunzel has ran, run away from the witch and left her. And uh, it starts with a reprise of Children Will Listen, but it goes into a new song. I know it's on the you know extended whatever cut scenes from the disc. I know if you have Disney Plus, I think you can actually, you can watch it. It's a brilliant song it's so Sondheim it's so you talk about simplicity of you know the lyrics the idea you know the, the there's nothing complex about what he's writing and yet it's so come I think how did he even write this song you know anyway um you know it's just like the gift that keeps on giving because there is so much stuff out there damn the know? man
0: god damn the man I'm uh-huh. telling you to, to quote a different musical that he probably wouldn't yeah. have cared for. Um, uh, <laughs> what, he, uh, what I loved reading his books, which, I, uh, finishing the hat and, no, look, yeah, I made right. a hat. Um, uh, 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 I was thrilled to discover that he, he and I shared two things. One is that neither one of us um really care for or appreciate opera. And <laughs> so I feel like, oh, good, yeah. I'm in good, I'm in which, good company uh, then.
1: Yes, I feel this. Exactly. Sometimes I feel bad about that. Yes, yeah. great. Thank you
0: but he also prefers actors who sing to right. singers who mm-hmm. act and sure. i think that's hugely admirable and i think it's because he's such a great lyricist he wants to hear his lyrics and he right. wants to and he wants them to be filled by actors not right. just presented with beautiful sounds by by singers and i think it's kudos to you that he kept coming back to that Sweeney Todd that you were in because clearly he must have loved all
1: you actors doing right because none of us could sing is that what you're saying yes that's exactly what i'm saying you've taken my message completely exactly thank you thank you uh uh, thank you um yes i mean look at the end of the day you know i i say that a lot the longer you know i've been able to do what i do and the more people you see (laughs) the day keeps getting longer (laughs) exactly a good voice you know is a dime a dozen in that way a lot of people can do a lot of extraordinary things with their voice and sing the hell out of anything but if at the end of the day, you know, in actual musical theater where you're telling a story and you're acting a role, exactly, if you can't act it, if there's nothing going on behind the eyes, if you, all that stuff, all that stuff, then, you know, then, then no, I'm because there are people who, who, who can, who will give you more with less, if you know what I'm saying, it, just that. It's not always about, you know? Yep. I mean, there are certain, I mean, yes, Sweeney has its sound and, you know, you've got an ensemble, ideally, that's going to, but, you know, to an extent, yes, that, that is, uh, I love that because that's what you want, ideally, in the room, because you want to get the role because obviously you're, you're right for the role. And I think most actors, you know, well, albeit singing, whatever the hell, most actors, all of us train in that way, right? Right. We're, you know, we want to be good actors. We want to portray the role. Yeah. So yes, at the end of the day that should be a very important factor in our casting.
0: Well, and you 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 have talked on a previous podcast about you how you haven't done much Shakespeare but you right. have done your Sondheim who I think is our Shakespeare. Right. Sure. And, sure. I'm not just in terms of his his liv- lyrical gifts but the, the 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 depths and the richness of his characterization sure. but also sure. in the sense that a, Shakespeare characters say this magnificent speech to figure out what they're thinking and I think that's absolutely true of of Sondheim's songs his characters are singing because they're trying to articulate their own feelings and thoughts
1: right yes of course exactly and to make that just well I mean to make any lyric clear I mean honestly you know what I'm you know I'm going out and doing what I'm doing right now and I, I, I actually don't sing a lot in the show that I'm currently doing, Doubtfire, Mrs. Doubtfire, the musical opening Sunday night on Broadway. Really? Um, it opens this Sunday? We open this Sunday, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. We open this Sunday, December 5th, and uh, God willing, we'll be here for a long time to come. We should all stay healthy and well, yes. respect each other and get vaccinated. And um, so anyway, uh, but, you know, yes, at the end of the day, yes, the, the, the clarity of thought, clarity of idea on stage is so different than film or TV. So literally from the technical, you know, from everything we learned at the Boston University (laughs) to make sure they understand those T's and D's and whatever that, you know, literally I need to make sure because, you know, God, they're mixing sound with an inch of its life these days. And let me tell you, it's not always on our side. And so, you know, I have a responsibility that way to any lyricist, All, all my words, right? As far as that goes, yes. But um, but but yeah, it's um, it's <laughs> what is better than to have good material to perform to deliver, right? It's sure. always, as we know, as performers, if it's when it's not there, if it's not on the page, it's not on the stage. If it's if you have to work to make it work, mm-hmm. enough said. It's it's work. If 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 the writer, compo- whatever has given you, and in this case, the writer and the composer. Because he gave you both. Not only does he give you, gave you these words, gives you to, to 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 yes, luxuriate in these ideas and these choices, because every word brings with it a certain emotion, a certain inflection. But you know, but then he's given these melodies that yeah. geez Louise, man. Yeah. Oh, and I listen, you know, again, another song for Pacific Overtures. There's a song called A Bowler Hat. It's just what the song does. And you need to know what it's doing in the context of the show. But in the context of the show, this song in melody, in lyric, just, you know, does everything that we've been, that a good musical theater song should do. And uh, yeah, and he did that. He just, he, he rarely ever didn't do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, he just did that over and, over, and Jesus, over. again. and he just did it over and over again. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more question I'll ask in about 60 seconds. Mandy Patinkin, the man who originated the title role in Sunday in the Park with George, said this Sondheim is, quote, the furthest thing from gone. He left the heart and soul of his existence, his being, what he cared about, what he thought, what he wished for, wishes that he sometimes couldn't realize for himself. That will be here forever. Send us your Sondheim memories via email to feedback at ReducedShakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, ReducedShakespeare.com or visit my website, TheShakesperience.com. You can also find Brad on Instagram at boscar 64 Thanks, as always, to Shepherd's Pie Peppered with Actual Shepherd on Top, Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and GarageBand, Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Carl Isaac Johnson. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to National Public Radio film critic and self-described unrepentant Sondheimite Bob Mondello. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe, get vaccinated, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 782-2346 of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. So, Brad, to remember... Stephen Sondheim,
1: what's your first choice? What should we listen to? Oh, God. Oh, I was going to say good. Don't make me cry. But good. Now I have to get analytical. For me, I
0: I would probably cry myself to sleep listening to Not While I'm Around from Sweeney or everybody ought to have a
1: maid one of the two it's hard right. to tell yeah i mean again, exactly and then again that that score from forum which is so you know of its own and yeah. and anyone can whistle and mm. you know and the lesser ones too and especially if you don't if you know you know company of follies or sweeney and into the woods maybe sunday But if you don't know Anyone could Whistle and you don't know Pacific Overtures and you don't know Passion, which I still maintain personally, is a very difficult show to sit through, but is an extraordinarily gorgeous score. Mm. Just from top to bottom, it is beautiful and rich and God, again, lyrically, all that stuff. so you know, yeah, the, the 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 lesser known ones because again, if you can discover like more of this, you know, that canon, uh, uh, I'm I'm jealous. I'm jealous of you because I can't wait. I hope that you know, God bless him right up until the end. And I think this is what also has made this so sad, is that right up until the end, he saw he saw two shows last Wednesday, had Thanksgiving dinner Thursday, and you know, left us on Friday. Um, But so right up to the end, you know, so he's working on this piece that I know he's been working on for for several years now. And he's talked about it more recently as well. And so, you know, God willing, there's something that will be given to us somehow in some way. We'll see who knows what part of the process it was. But, you know, so maybe there's still a little left, you know, to be heard. Oh, see, I'll get all emotional. But, um, you know, that would be quite wonderful.
0: (laughs)